We are on Yevamos Tilbeis Amid Aleph 12a1, towards the bottom of 12a1 in the Art Scroll Gemara. Uh, this daf, uh, towards the end of the daf, towards uh, the third and fourth recording of this week, will, God willing, begin uh, new topics. These are going to relate to, these are going to be tangents to uh, the general topic of Yevamos. We're going to have discussion, some interesting discussions on birth control, on how to determine when a child becomes an adult, at what point do they become an adult with regards to the law, various laws, but including when they become obligated in mitzvahs and other type of other laws. Uh, so a few other interesting discussions. But first we're going to have uh, two more cases of of a tzara, of a co-wife who might be exempt. We're in the middle of a discussion of, we're in the middle of four cases. We, the Gemara was bringing down four different cases, asking questions, discussing whether or not a co-wife is exempt uh, in a certain scenario. So far, we discussed two of those cases. We're going to discuss another case in today's recording, and we'll discuss the last case in the next recording. So far, we discussed, just a broad overview, so far we discussed the case of Sarasota, what happens in a case where uh, a person passes away without any children and he has two wives. One of them is a sota, is a case where she, she's an adulteress. And so the question, and the law is that the tsara, the co-wife, is also exempt, and we discussed that. We also discussed the case of Tsaras Machzrigushaso, of a scenario where a person passes away without any children and he has two wives. One of the wives, uh, they were married against the Torah. It was, illegal, it was viewed as a legal marriage. But it was against the Torah uh, because he married his wife, who they, they got divorced, and then she married somebody else, and then she came back to him. And then what the question is, what is the status? Is there a Yibam or Chalitza with regards to the co-wife? We're now up to case number three. Number three is, a, is what we call Tsaras Mima Enes. And so it requires a little bit of an introduction. In fact, we'll even uh, explain the entire halacha even though we'll only come to the outcome at the end of the Gemara, just so that uh, the Gemara is clear. Uh, what is Mian? Mema'enes comes from the word Mian. What is Mian? Mian is, is actually a discussion which will come up later on in Yevamos, towards the later, latter part of Yevamos. There's a whole chapter devoted to it, so we're not going to go into all the details, uh, but it's basically as follows. A father, by biblical law, by Torah law, a father has the right to accept a marriage for his daughter who is who is under the age of 12. He has the right to accept a marriage for his daughter uh, under the age of 12. And nowadays we say, just as a side note, nowadays we say that it's, if a father were to do such a thing, it would be viewed as cruel, as just really cruel to do that. But at a certain time in society... Uh, it was it was viewed as something which was more normal uh, to to help out the child to make sure that the child has uh, ha- is able to get married and it was viewed as some somewhat of the norm and so therefore the Torah says that it's allowed but again today it's viewed as something which is cruel uh, because the norms have changed and. The the law is that that's that's true on a biblical level. If the father passes away, uh, so then on a rabbinic level, the rabbis allowed the mother uh, to marry, to accept a marriage for her daughter. 
And so that would be allowed on a rabbinic level. There's also one other scenario where uh, the daughter would have a what's viewed as a rabbinic marriage, uh, which is where if the, even if the father's alive, if the father were, let's say, to accept a marriage for his daughter, and then they got divorced, so then halakhically we say that that daughter now who got divorced, it's really viewed as though she's no longer in the rishus, under the domain of her father, and so she could accept another marriage. She could accept another marriage on her own, and that itself is a rabbinic marriage. When she accepts it on her own, that's a second way where you could have a rabbinic marriage. For any rabbinic marriage for a girl who's under the age of 12, who's still a katana, who's still halakhically viewed as a minor, uh, so then if she gets married, then there's, if it's a rabbinic marriage, so then there's a way out. This is very different than a regular divorce. In fact, the divorce starts from, in a classical case of divorce, it's the husband who divorces his wife. In this case, it's what we call mian. This is the concept of mian where the wife, it's not even viewed as a divorce, but the katana, this minor, has the right to just completely back out of the marriage. And what I mean by completely back out of the marriage is that it's, it, to a certain degree, it's a big discussion to what degree, but to a certain degree, it's not even viewed as though they were married. It's retroactively, we view it as though they, they, were, they were not married the entire time. Uh, and so therefore it doesn't even have halachic significance. She could, if she wanted to, she can marry her father-in-law even though there's a prohibition to marry her father-in-law after, even after a divorce. Uh, but because it's not even viewed as a marriage retroactively, she would, it would be permissible for her to marry her father-in-law because retroactively it's not viewed as a marriage. And that is the concept of me. And again, this only applies to a rabbinic marriage for a minor, for a katana. And if the father were to accept a marriage for her, so then that would be biblical. That would be on a biblical level. And then this, this would not apply. It only applies on a rabbinic marriage which would be the two cases that we just mentioned. Again, the case where the mother, uh, the father is no longer alive, and then the mother marries, uh, accepts a marriage for her daughter. Or if she was married by her father, and then they got divorced, and then she could then uh, have accept her own marriage, and that would be on a rabbinic level, because she's a katana, she's a minor. So it wouldn't be on a biblical level, it would just be on a rabbinic level. Uh, level and for those two cases, she has the right to back out and not just back out, but back out retroactively. It won't even be viewed as a marriage uh, from the from the very beginning. And what our Gemara is discussing, it says Shmuel's of the opinion. We'll just read the first line. Amar of Lili Bar Mama, Amar Amar Shmuel. Shmuel says Taris Mema Asura. So what if you have the following case, which is also going to be discussed later on in the thirteenth chapter? What if you have the following case? You have a case where the you have a, a minor who got married on a rabbinic level, and then the husband passes away without any children, and now she she's zakuk, she's connected to either do Yibam or Chalitza with one of the brothers. And what does she do? She didn't she didn't do this concept of Mion to her original husband, but she does Mion now to the potential Yavam, to the potential marriage with the brother-in-law. Instead of getting married to the brother-in-law, she does mion because she's a katana, she's a uh, she's a minor and a rabbinic marriage, and so she could do this. So she goes ahead and she does this, and this this red does retroactively uh, undo the entire marriage. So she no longer uh, has a mitzvah to do yibum or chalitza. So the case that our gemara is dealing with is what happens if you have that case, but the brother passed away with two wives. One of them was this minor who then did this uh, process of mion, which is really a declaration. 
uh, this process of Mion to back out of the marriage, but then he was also married to a different wife, a co-wife, who, let's say, was was an adult, was not in that scenario. So the question is, does that adult have an obligation to do Yibam or Chalitza? And the law is, according to Shmuel, this is a rabbinic law that she cannot do Yibam. The co-wife does not do Yibam. Uh, we would say that they would do a chalitza, but this is on a rabbinic level that we do not do yibum. Why don't we do yibum? And this will be the conclusion of the Gemara. The Gemara did not know this at the very beginning, but we'll just mention the law now for for what's going to be stated at the end. Uh, the reason for this rabbinic law is because of the following scenario. What happens if you have the following scenario where uh, the katana, the minor, is also the uh, the uh, the brother's daughter? Right, so we had that, those cases in the Mishnah where uh, someone's daughter marries their brother and then they pass away without children. There's an exemption of Yibam and Chalitz in such a scenario because your sister-in-law is also your daughter. So what happens if you have the same case? It's your daughter. Your daughter enters into a rabbinic marriage with your brother. They get married. And then the brother passes away. And so she then does Mion. Uh, and then it's, uh, it falls to the, to the father. And she goes ahead and she does miyun. She does this process of, of retroactively removing the entire marriage, not just the, the connection to her father, who's now the Yavam, but also to the, it retroactively undoes the entire marriage, even her marriage that she had with her uncle with, uh, in, the, in the first marriage. So that undoes the marriage. So the law is, in such a scenario, in general, if it's the daughter, we say that the co-wife is exempt from Yibam or Chalitza. And, so, and that's on a biblical level. We say here that since this is, it looks very similar. It looks very similar. Even though once uh, the daughter does mian, does, uh, uh, gets out of the marriage retroactively, so then it's not even viewed as the co-wife of the daughter. The daughter is completely out of the picture. It's like she was never married to the original husband, to the brother who passed away. And if that's the case, on a biblical level, really the co-wife should have the ability to do yibam or chalitza, because it's not like she's the co-wife of a relative, because the relative is viewed as though Mian was done retroactively. The relative was never married to the brother, even though the Mian was done after the brother passed away. But it retro- because there's the situation of Yibam, it retroactively gets rid, it removes herself from the marriage. And so really on a biblical level, the co-wife should have the ability to do Yibam or Chalitza. But we say that on a rabbinic level, she should not do Yibam. And the reason for this is because it looks, it looks strange, because it looks like your, your typical case of a co-wife of a relative, because the relative, the daughter, did not do Mion uh, before the brother passed away. She did Mion after the brother passed away. So it just looks like, from an outsider's perspective, it looks like she was completely married to the brother. She never undid that marriage. She only undid the marriage afterwards. So from an outsider's perspective, it doesn't look like she undid the original marriage. So it really looks like a, a typical case of Tsaras Bito. Not that Tsaras Bito is a typical case ever, but it looks like a typical case of Tsaras Bito, of the co-wife of, of, of your daughter. So there should be an exemption. So that's why the, 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 on a rabbinic level, we say that you should not do Yibam. You would still have to do Chalitza, but you would not uh, do Yibam. So that is step one. Step two, they take this a step further and they say that because of that case, that case where the, it's the co-wife of a daughter, and the daughter it was a minor who did Mion, and so retroactively got rid of the entire marriage, even the, the marriage to the husband who passed away. 
So because of that case, we'll say that every case of Tsaras Ma'enes, even if it's not a relative, even if it's not a relative, we'll say that the co-wife of a, of a minor, of a girl who did Mion, even if they're not related to the brother-in-law in any other way, the co-wife also should not do Yibam. Just so that we don't get confused from the cases, we'll say that all cases of Tsaras Mema'enes, of where the co-wife is the co-wife of a, of a minor who... Uh, who did Mian, and all those cases will say that you should do Chalitza because of that one case, because of that one case where it's the co-wife of a minor who's also the daughter who did Mian, where in that case we're concerned that it looks like the, the typical case of Tsaras Bito, of the co-wife of the daughter, therefore in all cases of the co-wife of the Mima Enes, of a minor who, uh, who backs out of the marriage, is going to be forbidden to do Yibam, and they'll only do Chalitza. So let's see this inside. There's a few lines of the Gemara inside. Amara, so we already read the opening line that says that it's forbidden. On a rabbinic level, it's forbidden for the co-wife to do yibam. So the Gemara wants to know. What I described before was the conclusion of the Gemara, but it's a, it's a process to get there. So the Gemara wants to know, Laman, who is the co-wife forbidden to? Who is the co-wife forbidden to? Again, you could have multiple brothers. So only one of the brothers, uh, there was only me and done to, to one of the brothers. Only only the minor only did did Mion, this process called Mion, to one of the brothers. So the Gemara asks, if the co-wife is forbidden to do Yibam to any of the other brothers, not to the brother where Mion was done, but to any of the other brothers that is forbidden to do Yibam, when it comes to the brothers, this is just a side point, which we'll get to also later on. When it comes to the brothers, if the girl who did Mion, the minor who did Mion, to one of the brothers, one of the brothers-in-law, so she's still, according to Shmuel, she's still permissible to any of the other brothers. It's permissible for her to marry any of the other brothers. So then certainly the co-wife should be able to do Yivam to any of the other brothers. That should for sure be true. Rather, what it means here is that it's forbidden it's only to the to the brother-in-law uh, who is involved in the mian, who is involved in the mian of of the minor. So then, the co-wife cannot do yibum to that brother-in-law, but to any of the other brothers-in-law. So then, it would be permissible. So this rabbinic prohibition is limited uh, to the brother-in-law who is involved in the mian. Involved in when the minor said, I don't want to be involved in this relationship. Completely, uh, retroactively uproots not just the relationship with the brother-in-law, but even with her original husband. It's not even viewed as her husband anymore, retroactively. Uh, so then the co-wife is only forbidden to that brother-in-law, but not to any of the other brothers-in-law. For any of the other brothers-in-law, you could do yibam. So the Gemara asks as follows, Umayish enes de sharia and de so the Gemara doesn't understand if the if the girl who did Mion to one of the uh, brothers-in-law to only one of them she's permissible to any of the other ones because she did not do Mion to any of the other ones. So then certainly the tsar, the co-wife who did not do anything was not involved in anything. Why is it that it's forbidden? Again, we mentioned in the beginning that we know why it's forbidden. It's because of this rabbinic decree. Uh, because we're going to get confused with other cases. It's all about being confused. It's uh, going to get confused with a specific case of Tsaras Bito, where the co-wife is the co-wife to a minor who does Yibam, but it's also the daughter, so we're going to confuse it to a classical case 
of Tsar's Bita where it's uh, the co-wife of a daughter. But the Gemara didn't know that yet. So the Gemara is asking, what's the logic behind this idea? So the Gemara answers now, It's all because of a concern that we're going we're to be confused with the case of where you're the co-wife to the daughter. Uh, the daughter of the Yavam, the daughter of the of the brother-in-law, who does Mion, who's also a Kitana, she's a minor, and does Mion. So you might get confused, because in that case we say that you can only do Chalitza, uh, so that we might get confused to that case, so therefore we'll say for all cases, a Tsar's Ma'en, as all cases where you're the co-wife of a minor who does Mion to the Yavam, to the brother-in-law, so then there will be uh, it will say that you're not allowed to do Yibam. So the Gemara asks, is it really true? This is just a side point. Is it really true that Vitzar is Bitam Enes Mia Sira? Is it really true that in your in the actual case of Tsar's Bito, where you're the co-wife of uh, the daughter, meaning a person married one person, an adult, and the other person was the was his niece, uh, who was also a katana, who was also a, a minor, and so it was a rabbinic marriage a case of a rabbinic marriage, and so he passes away, and then the kitana, the minor, then does miyun. Uh, so we we said that it's uh, it's forbidden for the co-wife to do yibam, but is that really true? But in our mission it says, V'atanan v'kulon emesu omeyanu tzarsei mutaros t'mena d'man ilim t'mena b'bao hayne grusha elalav biyavam elalav biyavam They ask a question from our Mishnah. The Mishnah says that uh, whenever one person, a relative, does mion, so then that uproots the marriage, uh, and it, it's uh, it, it uproots the marriage. Uh, so then, so then the co-wife would be able to do yibum or chalitza. So the gemara is asking, who did they do mion to? If they did mion to the original husband, that's the same thing as getting divorced. It's the same as that case as getting divorced. Rather, it must be our case where they did mion after the husband passed away, and it's to the yavam. So they did mion to the yavam, and we see that the co-wife could do yibum. It seems to imply from our mishnah. That the co-wife could do yibum. This is really just a side point. And the Gemara answers, no, no, It's really the case of the Mishnah, which is important. The case of the Mishnah of Mion is where not where you did Mion after your husband passed away to the Yavam, to the brother-in-law, but it's where you did Mion before the husband passed away. Everyone agrees that if you did Mion before the husband passed away, so then certainly, even if you're related, the co-wife could do, has the option of doing yibum because at the time that the husband passed away, they're no longer... Related to the daughter or to any other relative, if they did mion or if they got divorced, whatever the case is, before the husband passed away, so then certainly the co-wife could uh, do yibam. What we're discussing here is where they did mion after the husband passed away. When it's after the husband passed away, so then that's when we're going to get confused and say this looks like a typical case of being a co-wife to a relative. Um, so the Gemara says, so the Gemara essentially asks, so why is it that the co-wife is forbidden? It uprooted the whole, whole entire marriage. What's the problem? Because the Gemara didn't know the, that it, it, just the reason there's a rabbinic prohibition that it, it looks like the regular case. So the Gemara answers, So the Gemara answers, Anytime you do Mion after your husband passed away, you cannot, you can never do it after your husband passed away unless it's a case of Yibum, where you're connected now to the brother-in-law, so you do Mion to the brother-in-law. So in that scenario, it looks like, even though it uproots the entire marriage from the beginning, it uproots the original marriage to the original husband, still, but it looks like you were, you, you were completely married, and the reason why that marriage no longer exists is because the husband passed away. 
not because of the mion. And in fact, if you did mion after the husband passed away, you're forbidden to the father-in-law. You become forbidden to your father-in-law on a rabbinic level because it looks like that marriage was a complete marriage. So, so too, it looks like Tsar's Bito looks like your typical case of the co-wife of a relative, even though they're not really a co-wife of a relative because the relative uprooted the marriage to begin with, but because it looks like it, as we pointed out in the very beginning, so therefore, we'll say that the co-wife cannot do Yibam because it looks like your typical case, even though it's not because she did Mion, but it looks like your typical case of Tsaras uh, Bito. Okay, we'll continue with the fourth case, the last case in the next recording.